1: As I told you on Twitter, I'm finally doing something about my weight and my health. I found a solution for weight loss, and it's Awaken 180. My friends in the media told me about Awaken 180. It's their go-to program to lose weight without killing yourself in the gym or taking any kind of medication. Just listen to the success stories. My boy, Kyle Draper, he dropped 30 pounds. Andy Grish dropped 105, and that's not it. Scott Zolak, Steve Logan, Dan Reeves, Dr. Laura Carmen, and add Cedric Maxwell to the list. It's only been about three weeks, and I've already dropped about 15 pounds. Turn these trying times into a reason to get healthy like me. Call Awaken. Receive the same one-on-one coaching I'm getting at home or on Skype. Also, access 1,000 recipes and tools you'll need. Dantric Weight Loss from the company who has revolutionized the weight loss industry. Set up your first consultation today
2: at Awaken180WeightLoss.com. Red Sox beat is back on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and visual content. Remember visual content? This is Josh Lewin and uh, welcome to our continued waiting game. I hope everybody's doing as well as can be. Sean McAdam from the Boston Sports Journal is going to join us in just a little bit. We're going to talk our way through the very latest around baseball, a little bit about the Red Sox, obviously, best we can. Uh, Certainly the talk about if there's going to be baseball, if, if there's the possibility of the Red Sox now being in this weird division with a bunch of great teams, uh, if that happens, that could certainly put a little dark spot on the outside chances that they were in the beginning to make a playoff run in 2020. But is there going to be a 2020? Uh, we're going to get to that. Uh, that's going to be pretty much most of our conversation here today. Uh, I sure hope there's a 2020 baseball season. I know you guys do, too. Because for no other reason, the, the scarier and, and more uncertain things seem in our day-to-day lives, I think the more important it gets to have an anchor. And for so many people, baseball is that anchor in their day-to-day lives. Sports and music are really the two universals. And there are people out there that aren't necessarily sports fans. are wondering what's the big deal that there's no baseball for a while. And I always say imagine an, an entire month, maybe several more, with a moratorium on music. If you're stressed, you can't listen to your favorite song. There's nothing on in the background as you work in your kitchen. That concert you were really looking forward to for months will now never happen. And and that's kind of how lonely it's been for baseball fans. And that's why it's so important to get back to them just as soon as it's safe. And that is the key word to me. I hope it is to you guys too. Safe. Uh, can the game be played without fans is a question we're hearing a lot right now. And it, it may have to be for a while to keep everyone safe. Lots of spring training games are played in front of very few fans, and there are B games on backfields where there are no fans, so this is not unprecedented in any way. And in a, a strange way, I keep thinking maybe baseball can model for every sport and every social event in the country how to execute this slow roll back to normal, keep it safe, make some adjustments for now as need be, keep looking forward to when things get back to how we've always known them. Is the Arizona plan real or the Arizona-Florida plan real? I get that one a lot, too. And I would say yes and no, because uh, until testing is scaled and accessible to everyone, it's a very bad look to test only ball players in a bubble. I think everyone agrees we're going forward, even talking about all this, assuming that testing across the nation will be a reality before too long. I mean, I don't mean to turn this into politics, but I, I can't believe that that's not the number one thing that's been tried over the last several weeks here. I mean, that, that's the thing we're all waiting on. So uh, anyways, it pertains to baseball, you're, you're, you're trying to do something memorable and positive from out of the embers here that, that every sports fan, not just every baseball fan, will remember for the rest of their lives. And of course, there are a hundred reasons it might not work, but the spirit of ingenuity would resonate across the world. If you're trying baseball in a biodome or Baseball City, Arizona, and you bend the rules here and there for one year only. Players are miked up all season long. I'm in on all that stuff. I would hope that somebody realizes that if you're playing in Arizona outdoors, you better be doing it early in the morning or late at night. Because 115 degrees in Phoenix in the summer and coronavirus or not, to ask umpires and players to perform in that kind of midday heat every day, that brings up a, a whole separate health concern. And you know I know baseball obviously helped bring America back after 911 and we keep going back to this the sense of familiarity is so important in any crisis and baseball essentially is comfort food you know maybe more than any other sport in America and certainly Latin America too and when something is scary what do you do you reach for what you know and what you know to bring you joy the little kids might reach for their blanket or their favorite toy i think right now so many of us have that primal desire for baseball for exactly that reason. The crack of the bat, uh, the sound of someone catching the ball, the green grass, that perfectly smooth dirt on the infield, it just puts you in a happy, familiar place. So baseball's return absolutely can serve as a beacon in the night. There's something familiar on the horizon even when, when times are dark. So that's kind of the the backdrop to all this i want to get to sean mcadam here because he's going to take us through his thoughts on that and and how if it's possible at all to navigate all the nonsense uh, what's the optics of this whole thing and, and how to best go about it if it is going to be uh this wacky realignment we'll get into that because as of right now the talk would be the Sox might be in a division with the twins the rays and the braves so that is suboptimal but uh that's kind of way off in the distance to me right now right here right now before we even get to sean let me give you one reminder with no major league baseball right now with no basketball no hockey you might think there's nothing to bet on and you'd be wrong about that because our exclusive partner bet online still has hundreds of events and games and props you can wager on from their online casino to poker and blackjack they're bringing the vegas to you if you're missing the NFL, Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 sims that you can wager on. Entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor and Big Brother and American Idol, stock prices, all that. Open 24 hours a day, all online. We invite you to visit the website or use your mobile device. Join the day to receive your new welcome bonus. It's Bet Online, your online wagering solution. Without any further ado, let's bring on Sean McAdam. from the Boston Sports Journal. Sean McAdams kind enough to spend some time with us now and it's a a weird minefield to navigate in so many ways right now Sean. Journalistically, you know, you've got a beat to cover and there is no beat. There is no baseball. There there's no Red Sox although they're making some news off the field and and let's kind of start there because I'm trying to keep things as positive as possible. I know you are too. Uh, the sense that I get, I mean the latest thing the the Red Sox talking about going to you know, the local hospital and saying, All right, everybody, when all this is done, you guys are seasoned seed holders. Come on in. You know, Ortiz going over and then glad handing and keeping it safe, obviously, but doing what they can. I wouldn't expect anything less of the Red Sox. They've always been a leader in that department. But would you agree? I mean, they're, they're trying the very best they can to find their way to, to lemonade out of lemons here.
0: Absolutely, Um, and this has always been, uh, I think, a pretty philanthropic organization dating back to their long history with the Jimmy Fund and Ted Williams uh, decades and decades ago. They've always encouraged uh, participation in the community and outreach, and uh, this is obviously the perfect time for that to continue, and um, uh, to their credit, they are uh, using their resources, using the the power of celebrity and the power of kind of the uh, bully pulpit that the Red Sox have here in New England to do some good. And that's always welcome.
2: So as we look at the schedule, and I don't know about you, I mean, obviously the schedule is crumpled up and, and thrown away, but I, I still have one. And as you and I talk, the Red Sox would have been 17 games into their season, Uh, And on a West Coast road trip would have been nice to be on right now. Uh, Major League Baseball, obviously, they they floated this trial balloon about getting back to the field and doing it by creating this bubble or maybe two bubbles, one in Arizona, one in Florida, that we could begin as early as next month, which I, I don't mean to poke a hole in a balloon. I just think that's such a pipe dream. But the idea to have players and staff essentially quarantined and play those games at the spring training facilities in Chase Field and yada yada. Uh, obviously no fans, but there would be TV just in general. Do you like the idea? I guess that's part A. And part B is, is there any chance it can work?
0: Well, as I've said, Josh, I I think um, I'm going to get behind any sort of effort that gets us baseball in any shape, manner, or form. And I, I don't think I'm alone in that regard. We, we all miss the game. Terribly, uh, perhaps never more so than when we're cooped up and have no live sporting events to watch, uh, as glorious as the last uh, 20 or so years of Red Sox history have been. Uh, There's only so many times you can watch the 2004 World Series or highlights from some of the other great postseason games they've taken part in in this era. Um, So we we all want the game back, and I, I think it's going to require... Uh, some creativity, some thinking outside the box. These are obviously uncharted waters we're in here. Everything is unprecedented, so there's no template to follow. And I know that some people have swatted back some of the proposals and said this isn't doable and certainly there are huge obstacles to overcome in a lot of these areas, uh, not the least of which as you cited is, you know, being essentially quarantine from your family and loved ones for four or five months' time. Uh, there would be a lot of logistics, a lot of things that would have to be ironed out. There would have to be the green light, first and foremost, from government and, and medical officials that this was safe. Uh, it would incorporate uh, just dozens and dozens of people when you think about what goes into um you know, just putting on your standard game, even if you have no fans, even if you don't sell tickets and you don't have to worry about uh, ushers and security, you still have grounds crew, clubhouse people. I mean, the list goes on and on. Uh, but I, I, I think that um, if it can be done, uh, then it should be done. And I think that's the attitude people should uh, take to some of these proposals. Some of them seem more far fetched than others. Uh, There would certainly be hindrances to either of the two uh, spring training plans. One that had everybody in Arizona, another that had all 30 teams in their spring training homes, whether it be Florida or Arizona. Um, You know, they've tried to get creative and toss out in a couple of instances any semblance of the standard American and National League formatting and have grapefruit and Cactus League competition if that's what gets us baseball for 2020 then fine i'm all for it uh but as you noted i I think we're a long way uh both in terms of calendar and the number of things that would have to be overcome for any of these plans to be put into into place
2: sean mcadam joining us on red sox beat here again we're out of season we don't want to be out of season but we are and as much as we all want to watch baseball again, Sean, and, and you've hit on it, the game just can't get in the way of medical care, getting to people who need it. And not to politicize this at all, but I just, you know, the, the one thing that makes me bristle a little bit, because you keep hearing, well, you know, we all rallied around it after 9-11, and we, we absolutely did. But when baseball started up again after the 9-11 attacks, it, it was kind of like an act of defiance right? I mean, we were saying we're not going to be intimidated by terrorists. We're, we're going to go on with our real lives. And that was, that was a wonderful feeling for all of us. But you, you kind of hinted at it. Extra police and bag checks are not going to keep coronavirus from getting into a ballpark. So, you know, if, if one person dies because baseball started up too early, that's a really tough thing to explain.
0: Yeah, no question. I mean, uh, as, as much as baseball has served as a bomb And a, uh, a, you know, uh, a a distraction for us in our most challenging times in history, whether it be uh, World War II or the Korean War or uh, 9-11, whatever has come about, uh, sports and baseball more than the others. And I I guess we could do a whole separate show on why that's the case, but uh, it has always served to fill that void. And... We would welcome it, but um, I I think you make an excellent point, Josh, that uh, back in uh, September of 2001, it it seemed like we were all united against uh, an enemy that we at least knew something about. We could take precautions against it, and there seemed to almost be strength in numbers. Uh, I was at uh, the 2001 World Series um i'll never forget uh president bush throwing out that first pitch the the drama and emotion that that surrounded that event and how unifying it was um this is not a political or military enemy this is a medical and physical one and in some ways that makes it more insidious and in other ways it makes it much more difficult to combat because um You know, we don't know everything that we need to know about this virus. We certainly, as much as we want and need baseball and other sports back in our lives to get back to a regular routine, uh, we don't want to be irresponsible and go back too soon and put others at risk. And that's the delicate balancing act that Major League Baseball has to juggle uh, in determining when the right time to, to return is
2: want to draw our listeners' attention to the column that you did, Sean, most recently uh, in the Boston Sports Journal at the front of the week. And it got my attention not because I am i was not an econ major and economics actually makes my head spin right off my shoulders. but You and me both, Josh. Well, but anytime you drop a Zimbalist in there, I, I, that, that <laughs> had my attention. Hey, I'm seeing you quote Andrew Zimbalist, who obviously is uh, a guy that knows a thing or two. So when you talked to the legendary economist Andrew Zimbalist about the what next regarding baseball, what what did he have to say?
0: Yeah, well, uh, again, as learned as and expert uh, as Andrew Zimbalist is, uh, one of the first things he said was, you know, we're kind of going into this um, a little bit blind here because we've never done it before. And. Uh, Before we can start imagining what the game will look like, um, not so much from a competitive standpoint, but from an economic one, uh, we have to know a lot more about how soon that's going to be, what the condition of the general economy is going to be. But I I think it's fair to say, uh, and this is rather obvious, but uh, nothing Andrew says is obvious, he's uh, a noted perhaps the foremost sports economist in the country has served as a consultant to a number of different players unions and associations and has made this his uh, sort of specialty uh, niche within the economic world Uh, and his message is that the the landscape is going to be far far different and it's going to be that way for a while Uh, let's start with the fact that as we talk about these arizona and florida proposals Uh, Those are being constructed without any thought to paying to playing before paying customers and fans. They would be played in front of empty state in in empty stadiums. Um, Eventually, uh, we hope and and pray uh, that's not going to last forever. Uh, At some point, fans will... Come back to ballparks and other mass gatherings like going to the movies, going to the theater, going to concerts, all the things that we enjoy and people uh, want and need that sort of communal experience. It's part of what attracts us to sports. Yes, we enjoy watching games in our living room in front of our, uh, you know, 4K monitors with surround sound, but there's nothing that beats the experience of being at the ballpark and sharing that with others. Ah, uh, for that to happen, though, a lot has to be done, and he's trying to envision what is that going to look like. Will there be a phase in where teams sell every other seat with an empty row in between, and thus reduce their capacity to about a quarter of what it is? So instead of uh, a maximum of thirty-eight thousand or so at Fenway, there would be ninety-five hundred or so. Um, what's going to happen to ticket prices? Are if if um, If, uh, you know, a number of economists are forecasting almost unimaginable unemployment rates that could rival or even exceed those of the Great Depression, 25, 30 percent of the country out of work, um, can you still charge $150 for a box seat or, for that matter, you know, $50 for a bleacher seat if you've got anywhere from a quarter to a third of the populace out of work? Um, What does it mean for uh, future collective bargaining agreements between uh, the owners and the players? Uh, Does there have to be a recalibration there? And that's particularly a timely question with baseball because their CBA expires in about 18 months. So uh, these are all, uh, you know, he he went through a, a range of things that could be impacted long term contracts. He noted that baseball, unlike uh, football, hockey and basketball has no limit to the long term contracts that are given out. Uh, you can only give out, uh, you know, five or six years in the NBA, six or seven in the NHL. And as we know, the, the, the NFL doesn't uh, have guaranteed contracts in the first place or very few of them. Uh, Garrett Cole just got a nine year, three hundred and forty million dollar deal from the Yankees. Um, you know, are such deals even fathomable going forward and, and um, you know, does, does that uh, change the, the economics of the game? So uh, it, it, there isn't a, 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 a segment of the sport that won't come under some reappraisal, I think, when we come back. And that has nothing to do with the virus. Uh, you know, eventually there'll be a vaccine, there'll be treatment and we'll be rid of this thing but the long-term effects that it takes on the economy will, uh, will go deep into uh, the near future, certainly into 2021 and beyond, and how baseball and other sports react to that will be fascinating to watch.
2: I saw where Major League Baseball could lose about two point eight six billion in gate receipts. If there's no fans or a canceled season, it's just a, a, an astonishing number.
0: Yeah, the um, a, a, you know, and this may surprise some people. It did. It, it surprised me. Um, the 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 gate receipts or or ticket sales only account for uh, about a third of the sports revenue. There, there's a lot else that goes into it. Uh, TV and radio rights are, are significant, obviously corporate sponsorships, um, uh, uh, merchandising, so much else uh, is part of that baseball economic pie. But that makes some sense if you look at baseball as an industry that, uh, that grossed almost 11 billion dollars last year, if you take a third of that, that's you know somewhere around, Three and a half billion dollars right off the top without any tickets being sold. And that's to say, nothing of any sort of givebacks there might have to be uh, on national TV deals for games that aren't played. Um, so, yeah, it, it's going to take a significant chunk out of the sports profitability. And we should add, uh, just about every business imaginable under the sun is going to suffer similar consequences. But I think those that operate in the sports and entertainment field, which is uh, which requires people to gather in big numbers, are the ones that are going to be among the hardest hit.
2: Yeah. Red Sox will be losing about 200 million in gate receipts. Yankees closer to 300 million. Sean McAdam visiting with us. And, you know, just to keep it on kind of this uh, economics bent, which I really didn't mean to, to go to. But I- I'm looking at you know whether there's a shortened season, no season. Uh, you, you Mookie Betts is the poster child for this. But, they, you know, there are people that were supposed to have like this launch year towards free agency, might not get to launch. And obviously we can kind of giggle thinking about how Mookie might not ever be a Dodger after all that, you know, except for some spring training games. But Mookie, George Springer, uh, Marcus Simeon, Trevor Bauer, Marcus Stroman, and Jackie Bradley Jr., they're, they're all expected to become free agents this coming offseason 20 into 21 and it's weird to think about how all of what we're talking about might impact that.
0: Certainly. Um, and that gets back to the whole Garrett Cole uh, conversation that we had a couple of minutes ago where uh, Andrew Zimbalis was wondering, um, without saying so, will that be the last mega contract we see in baseball for a while? Because as great a talent and and let's face it, Mookie was going to be the cream and is going to be the cream of that uh, free agent crop this offseason. Um and, and expectations were that he was going to get this huge deal that could rival or even top the one given to Mike Trout. Um, but is, is such a thing imaginable in this post virus landscape where revenues are way down? Uh, there's uncertainty ahead and nobody is willing to make that kind of stake going forward, not knowing what the landscape is going to look like. Um, So, yeah, I I mean, it it is fascinating to think about where, you know, the Red Sox were pilloried for the deal of Mookie Betts. Um, They may end up getting three pretty good young players and prospects for him. He never plays a single game from the Dodgers and then goes on a free agent market that has uh, inexorably been changed, if not forever, then certainly for a long time, part of the great unknown uh, to which we, we we can't forecast.
2: So here's a what if for you uh, as we kind of wrap things up and head towards the end. What would the Red Sox have done on the field this year if we had never heard of COVID-19? I mean, we're never going to know because it's a whole new landscape now. But let's pretend that when you were down in spring training before this all came crashing down, uh, Ryan Weber really was going to end up the you know, for all intents and purposes, a number three starter because of what was going on, would the Red Sox have done okay? Would it have been a total wipeout? Would they have surprised people? What do you think?
0: I think it was going to be a tough year for them. Um, I I thought before Chris Sale went down with Tommy John surgery that they had uh, at least an outside chance of, you know, in a everything goes right for them scenario, competing for, maybe the second wild card by which I mean, you know, a a win total somewhere in the mid eighties to the low nineties. Again, that's if everything went well, they, they suffered no more further significant injuries to key players. Uh, A couple of guys stepped up that perhaps nobody expected to, they got some surprise contributions from some young guys or, or some journeyman guys. Um, you know, the, I, I thought their their lineup was good enough to still score a lot of runs, even with the loss of Mookie Betts. And I think that's still the case. But I I don't think you can overstate what the loss of Chris Sale for the entire year means. Uh, people were hopeful that, you know, after uh, you know rehabbing throughout the winter, that he was going to come back and at least approximate the pitcher he had been in in uh, say twenty. Uh, uh, 2017 and 2018 um, and, you know, be that kind of horse at the front of the rotation. And then you fill in with uh, Eduardo Rodriguez as the number two and a healthy Nathan Avaldi from the start. And then Martin Perez. And then, you know, you worry about the fifth, whether it was an opener or Ryan Weber. But boy, losing Sale to me changes everything. And frankly, I think they would have been Fortunate to play 500 ball without him had they played an entire season. Now, if they play a shortened, delayed season, and we know it's already delayed and we can guess that it's going to be shortened by some stretch. Uh, if they play uh, 110 games instead of 162, um, you know, go back and look at some other shortened seasons. You always have teams that surprise who, uh, because, um, whether it's a smaller statistical sample or the, the, the uh, you know, sort of the unknown of a shortened season, um, could they get hot for a couple of months and find themselves in playoff contention where that wouldn't have worked over a longer six-month, 162-game season? Perhaps. But, um, you know, if I'm looking at it now objectively from a distance, uh, as I said, I think the loss of sale was um, was a huge one and that they would have been um, it would have been difficult for them to be postseason competitors.
2: So the last what if for you, and I bring this up only because I want to uh, cross promote the other podcast along CLNS, which is the one I'm running about the, uh, the throwback league where we're pitting all the World Series teams from 1974 through 06 against each other in a bracket. Uh, we got some uh, World Series losers in there, too, to round things out. But it's a 48 team field, Sean, 74 World Series winners, a lot of the losers in there, too. So, for example, the 75 Red Sox make that cut. Uh, 86 Red Sox as well. If you were to put the teams from 74 through 06 that played in the fall classic into a blender, play the games out, uh, and I know it's, you know, it's a one-game winner-take-all kind of thing every time. So it's, you know We're not talking best of sevens. Just an educated guess on your part, because I've been asking everybody that comes on this podcast to, to predict the way of the other. Do you have a team off the top of your head that you think would, would end up king of the castle?
0: Well, you're you're outside my preferred team by about three years, because uh, in my lifetime, the best team I saw, even though they only won one World Series, was the uh, the Orioles of the late 60s, early 70s. That's
2: a great. Uh, yep, I Yeah.
0: I, I mean, I, I think that was, uh, you know, and, and that speaks to sort of the randomness of the postseason, even when there were only. Uh, two rounds of play where you play the LCS and then went right into the World Series. It, it's sort of a mystery to me how the Orioles of that era only won once, but they were up against uh, the, the the force that was the the uh, the amazing Mets in '69, and then uh, you know had to deal with some other great teams as well. But if you have to disqualify them. Um, you know, that, that Reds team of the mid-70s w- was the most formidable offensive team. Um, I don't know that their pitching would rank them among that. Uh, you know, the easy answer is uh, those Reds teams from the mid-70s and then the, the Yankee dynasty of the late 90s. Pick, you know, 98 was probably the, their peak performance um, w- with all the games won and then beating the Padres in the World Series Uh, So I I would say that uh, those two teams, the the Johnny Bench, uh, Joe Morgan Reds of the mid-70s against the the Yankee dynasty that that won three times in four years.
2: That was a very solid, educated guess, backed by hard analysis. I like that very (laughs) much. And it gave us an opportunity to cross-promote the Throwback League. So go ahead and download wherever you get your podcasts, including this one. I want to promote... Boston Sports Journal for Sean because he does such an amazing job of keeping Red Sox fans up to date and baseball fans in general. Thank you, buddy. Stay safe. I can't emphasize that one enough. And then hopefully next time we talk, we'll be talking about actual on-field Benintendi hitting home run kind of stuff. But uh, in the meantime, best to you and yours. And thanks again.
0: My pleasure, Josh. Thanks for having me on. I enjoyed it. Please stay safe and hope to see you at a ballpark soon
2: rather than over Skype. The great Sean McAdam. I'm Josh Lewin. This has been Red Sox beat.